Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens? Baxter blue glasses are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter 80% of the highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of glare. The past year, we have all been glued to our devices more than ever. Our exposure to digital light has soared and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Baxter Blue is also a force for good and provides a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This is eyewear built for our digital age and Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids glasses. Click the link in our show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you have been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxters and we know that you will feel the difference. Welcome to another episode of the so-called Oreos podcast, the podcast where we discuss all the awkwardness, hardship, and hilarity that comes along with society labeling you white on the inside and black on the outside, also known as an Oreo. I am one of your co-hosts, Kia Swin, and I am here with Amari Pollard, Janae Price, gang, 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 gang. How are you guys doing? I'm all right. I'm stressed, y'all. I don't know if every if anyone listening has been keeping up to date with the gas hack or whatever is happening. But yesterday, I felt like I was in a apocalyptic movie. I was on E and almost on E, and I'm like driving around to all these gas stations, and they're all like empty and no gas. So I had to get up at five in the morning today to get some gas, and I'm like what is happening and why is all this so hard yeah it's not up in um it's not up in jersey thankfully i don't have a car so (laughs) (laughs) yeah i have no clue are going crazy it's kind of like the toilet paper yes i like keep on seeing i mean it's twitter but like i keep on seeing these um tweets of people like filling barrels of gas and like one lady was even filling like plastic bags filled with gas i saw that why? Because people Guys, are crazy. Why? I am so happy that's not something I have to worry about. I mean, on top of all the other things going on in the world right now with Palestine and India and I don't know, just life. And then on top of that, having to worry about going to get gas at 5 a.m. Girl, that's too much. Like I had to call all these gas stations to make sure they had gas before I went out there. Cause I'm like, my butt is not about to be, my car already had issues this weekend. I was like, I do not need to be left on the side of the road with an empty gas tank, especially as a black woman in this white place. So let me <laughs> make sure I can get some gas. Damn. Hopefully wow. it's not an issue for pretty much longer. Yeah. I'm hoping by the weekend it gets the, its act together. Cause it's annoying. Yeah. Anyone want to talk about men? <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> no, she didn't even try with the transition. I know, she didn't even try, but you know. Professional right here. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, so I just moved to Jersey City. I'm in a new gang, apartment. Gang. For those of mm-hmm. you um, watching through YouTube, you'll see my bookcase. Amari's not the only one with a cute bookcase. <laughs> Wait, I have a cute bookcase. Bookcase. Where is it, Kia? Where is it, Kia? I showed you guys. You guys were like, I don't, I don't like it. You didn't like it. Oh, really? 
damn we flamed you <laughs> rude i know right <laughs> um and i've got a little bit of exposed brick which is cool um but i'm looking for the menses i'm on the apps um I'm out here. I'm supposed to be going on a date this week. Um, I have very low hopes for it. My my hopes are very low. Um, so yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, I like to mention that last time I was on this podcast, uh, I said I was going to put myself out there, and I'm retracting that statement. Uh, I'll no longer be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you you dipped your you dipped your toe in the pond and you said that's too cold let me just go back i will have done it for about two months at this point and i think my ideas are worse about men than better i was hoping for the opposite but i'm like i don't know how much more it could be worse so let me just retract that let me just go in mild girl summer mode let me like set those expectations lower like low low and, you know, I, I plan to have a good summer, but just not with uh, the male gender. It's just so disappointing because it's really like, it's not us, it's really them. And they're just put in, but I think this is like literally in every facet, not to be too general, but I'm going to be general just for the sake of the statement. But like in every facet, it's like men doing minimum and expecting a lot in return. And it just doesn't compute. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I, yeah, I thought it would get better. I don't know. I'm just like the constant like inconsistency. I can't deal with that. It's just not for me. My logic around it, right? I've done minimal research, but this is what Janae thinks. I think that in New York specifically, because this is where I'm at, this is where I stay at, this is where I be at, there are more women in New York than there are men, right? So therefore, men know subconsciously, I don't think they really think about it, but they know that they can basically do the bare minimum. And if you won't entertain it, there's another girl out there who will, because there's more women in New York. So there's more women who are just looking for someone and wanting to be with someone and kind of willing to put up with stuff because they're freaking tired because they're over it. They're over going through all these guys who are not putting forth any work, energy, or effort. But guys, on the other hand, are just like, well, there's tons of girls out there. So she she don't want to send me pics of her tits, then someone else will. So the solution to that is all women need to band together and have better standards, I think. Yeah, but uh, I don't even want to put it on women because it's not our damn I feel like to fault. an extent, it has to be, though. I feel like an extent, like... To, to a little bit of extent it has to be because if you're like entertaining someone who's just crappy and then they go and inter- like try to be crappy to I don't know I feel like yes it's mostly on men obviously but I feel like to an extent um it's it's similar to like Donald Trump being elected like do white men suck sure but white women were right right there you know mm-hmm. like put the Hillary no thing. no I don't like that <laughs> why <laughs> white women in relation to like Donald Trump and the Republican Party. We cannot equate what women in general are like dating white women, to that. Well, I'm just saying white women are supposed to, like, always, like, you know, a lot of times pride themselves as feminists and, like, then contribute to, like, a lot of the patriarchy and white supremacy. But then we'll be the first to be, like, I'm a liberal and stuff like that. 
Maybe that was about analogy. I'm just saying, like it was. I <laughs> okay. It's it's seven o'clock. To some extent, I'm just trying to say I think it's women's responsible. To some extent, not. I'm giving like five percent them, seventy five percent men. I just think that it's really hard for women. I hate blaming women in this situation because we live in a society that is structured around doing things and favoring men. And I do feel like a lot of women have lowered their standards, but we're fucking tired. That's why our standards have been lowered because we're exhausted. Not because we're just like, oh, oh." it's like we've been worn down. That's why standards have been lowered. I feel like it still comes from the patriarchy. Of course it does. But I still think like to some extent, it's like, uh, I just think accountability. I think to some point it has to be. But hey, that's just me. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, I'm struggling with staying strong. I'm struggling. I'm struggling because it's like, you just get to a point where it's like, am I just going to be alone forever? Yeah, I've gone to that point too. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm 26, but so much can happen in three months, six months, a year. Um, According to the stars, next year is my lucky year. But I've been saying that for so long that I'm just like, every year has consistently got worse. I don't even know anymore. Uh, I (laughs) I am kind of happy because I feel like I have these moments of weakness where I'll just be like, so sad, so lonely. Maybe I'll talk to this guy who I know like, doesn't care at all you know you know when you're like on hinge you match with someone you guys have a preliminary conversation that makes you feel comfortable enough to give them your phone number then you give them your phone number and they're hardly putting forth any effort to have a conversation they're just you can tell they don't at that point just don't text me exactly but i get in these moods where those guys will text me they'll clearly want me to carry the conversation and i'll do it because i'm bored and i want attention but i feel like you know, I'm getting better at being like, I don't feel like doing this today. So I'm just not going to respond back. And if you want to text me again, when you feel bored and lonely, then I'll decide what I want to do from there. But other than that, my heart's not in it. Your heart's not in it. We'll see what happens. It's a journey. It, mm-hmm. it takes time to get there. I woke up today, like just imagining like breaking up things with like all the guys I'm talking to. <laughs> And it just felt so good, but I was like, wait, I actually need to do this. But I never want to, re- like, reach out first, so I just had this whole plan. It was it was really great. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to, to have the power in my hands whenever that happens. Anyway, the moral of that story is that, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know what to do anymore, so I'm just going to take a step back from, from those apps and uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> and also we're going out this weekend. Um, Amari, I say this every time. No one told you to go down <laughs> south. You could have been here. Um, I'm excited. I'm keeping my expectations low with literally everything. Oh, my but, expectations uh, are on the floor. I just feel like it's going to be a whole bunch of white girls wearing wedges in Jersey City. <laughs> Like, I literally feel like it's going to be a whole bunch of skinny ass white girls wearing wedges and foreign hairy men chasing after them. Wait, no. See, this is good because that's how you stand out. That's how I always think, mm, guys. I, don't know. I, I always stand out. As, I always a look six foot, as a six foot tall black woman, I stand out in every room I walk but in. But you look the best. Like you stand out. You're different. You have a different hair texture. You have a different style. You are probably prettier than the average white girl. You know what I'm saying? Like that makes you stand out. Like it's you don't really have to do work. It's like your energy that you present. 
And you know, that's the thing that a bunch of times, that's the thing that annoys, annoys me because I, I wish you guys watched Steven universe, but I am freaking a combination between Garnet and Rose quartz from Steven universe. I am so I know what they look like. So. You know what they look like? I, I, okay. I am so fucking beautiful. I am so fucking powerful. I'm a force to be reckoned with. I literally turn heads when I walk down the street. But here's the issue. That. Here's the issue. These men are weak. And they see that and they're just like, oh, she's too much for me. So with all that being said, I feel like I can turn heads all day today and tomorrow. But these dudes, they still just won't. So I'm just like, all right. But that that's weeding out the, the the ones you don't want to deal with anyway. Listen, I'm not saying the, the odds are in your favor. They never are. <laughs> They're not in my favor. <laughs> They're not. I they, never, they never are. Yeah. They never are. But I'm saying, like, say you will go to a place and that the odds are in your favor. All you need is one, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, like, you don't have to do work, is what I'm saying. Listen, it's it's all a gamble. Some nights are better than others. Some nights is the best night ever. Some night you're like, wow, all these dudes are dry. But you know, it's just a gamble. Everything is a gamble at this point. Has, but I, I'm I'm curious. I'm really curious. Has there ever been a best night ever? Yes, for me. Because my best night never. For me, yes. My best night never has never been with men. It's been yeah, with my same. Friends, I've so. never had a best night ever where like. You know, it's like that meet cute situation or that that drama or, or rom-com situation where you're out and then the guy comes up to you. That's never happened to me. My best oh, nights I'm ever, hot. I've never, never. My best nights ever have been with my friends, dancing. Honestly, best night ever was Cinco de Mayo 2000, what was it, 18 or 19? Maybe it was 19. That was, that was good. That was good. That was like, that was like some movie was, shit. That, dancing drinking got some burritos went on the high was it the highlight oh the highline yeah and then there was like a movie playing on like the side of a build it was some new york shit ended up at janelle monae's uh album party oh shit was that that night that was that that night that was a good night that sounds like a new york city night night. damn i'm in paris a lot of my best nights ever do revolve like in terms of going out yeah they do involve guys but my friends are there too so it's a (laughs) win-win I can. Are they winning with the guys too? Yeah. Here? Well, most of them are in relationships, so they already won. Shit. It's not <laughs> to win. So, so yeah, it's a win for all of us. Well, maybe we can have a fantastic night this weekend, whether guys are there or not. You know, oh, I'm, I'm dedicated. I'm already. I'm dedicated to having a great night. It I'm gonna wear my new shoes. <laughs> I'm wearing a new new shirt. I'm I'm really hyped. I'm really hyped. Um. But yeah, well, anyway, just want to, <laughs> to talk about that. <laughs> um, yeah, as always, guys, we have a Discord. Hit us up. It's pretty fun. Just join it. Um, we have Clubhouse. I don't know if people are using that anymore, but hey, we're on it. And uh, we have merch. It's super dope. We're about to change the merch, so get what you want now because it's going to be switched. And uh, follow us on social media at So Called Oreos. Um, yeah, it is our 50th episode right now. That's crazy. It is insane. Dang. So happy 50th episode, everyone. We've we done just, this 50 times. Wow. 50 We've been times. talking so much. Times. Yes. Um, so-called Oreos just had their two-year anniversary, I think, this week. May 6th, last week? Last week. I think last week. May 6th, mm-hmm. so. This time. 50th anniversary. No, sorry. Oh, shit. 50th episode. <laughs> 
two-year anniversary. We ain't that old. Um, anyway, you know, so that's just some you know, updates for us. Um, does anyone have anything else they want to do before I go into this week in Black history? Okie doke. This week in Black history, it's May 25th. I know that's not this week when this airs, but it's the week after. But I just felt like it was a very important moment and I wanted to shine some light on it. Um, May 25th, 2020, a year since the death of George Floyd a year ago. Um, And yeah, I just thought that was important to highlight because I feel like so much has been talked about since the last year. But personally, I just and don't. nothing has yeah, changed. Yeah, you said it for me. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I want to highlight it because of that reason. Because I felt like last year we just had it was almost annoying. Actually, it was annoying. It was annoying. It was just a bunch of like white coworkers texting you who like never text you, and a bunch of people at work like talking to me all the time and explaining how they're not racist, which I don't care. I don't care if you are, and I don't care if you're not. I don't care about you. Um, but I just thought it was really interesting with like the amount of donations and it was always in social media and on our, all our face and people talking. And I feel like people wanted to do well, but it was just like a little overwhelming for me and very uncomfortable and upsetting really. It just made me more upset that for whatever reason, George Floyd was like the thing that made white people like rethink some things. Um, And I was just, I'm more so annoyed that like, I guess nothing has been done with like really anything with like the police and like how people are like, yeah, we're gonna support more from black businesses and give black people more opportunities and jobs. And I just, I just haven't seen any of that. It's really disappointing because it's like gaslighting us to an extreme, I guess. And I feel like white people think like, I don't know what I can do, but it's like, you guys have literally all the power and you talk a big game and you don't back it up. And I'd rather you just shut up. Like, I'd rather you just like not do anything and be complicit than just say you care and then just like go about your life. So I don't know if anyone wants to add to the George Floyd thing. Yeah, I'll I'll just say one thing that it has been, on one hand, I'm happy that through George Floyd, which there have been hundreds of years of Black people unjustly getting killed by the police, but George Floyd was a catalyst for so many white people to open their eyes up and listen. So I am happy about that, although it's kind of annoying. Um, But it is a little frustrating that because this is earned the white gaze, it's been more popularized and it's been in in popular media a lot more, even trickling down to TV shows I watch, people talking about the Black Lives Matter movement and protests and being advocates. Um, And it kind of feels re-traumatizing and it feels like we can never get away from this. And, And like I said, on one hand, I'm happy that these issues are being talked about more, but on the other hand, it's kind of like, I feel like I'm constantly reminded that my chances or my brother's chances of being killed by the police are higher than anyone else in this country. And it just, it's shitty. I'm really glad you brought that up because over the weekend I was watching one of um, like my go-to shows, A Million Little Things, and they incorporated um, the, the murder of George Floyd at the end of the episode. And I just like was not 
I did not know it was coming. I was not mentally prepared for it. And it felt very traumatic, like you said, like re-traumatizing. And it's like, why is it always that black pain and like violence against black people is always used for others entertainment? Like, I don't need to, like, we saw this and we literally saw this in real time. We don't need to rehash this out. So like these white owned networks like NBC and ABC can profit off of our pain. Like we don't need to, we don't need to redo it. And they think they're doing it in like this thoughtful way, but it really just feels over dramatized and like, disingenuous so i'm really glad you brought that up because it is it is very upsetting it just feels like the new picnic you know the the term picnic came from white people literally lynching black people and sitting around with their families and watching black bodies swing from trees and it just feels like this is a new way for white people to be entertained but they can feel wow that's better about it because it can be like, yeah, I'm watching this show that's socially conscious and up with the times. And it's like, no, you're, you're still profiting from the death of a black man. You're still getting entertained by the death of a black man. It might look a little different now, but I'm still sitting here feeling like I'm fucking, I want to cry and that I'm angry and that I don't want to be around white people watching this shit. I'm still mad and nothing has changed. Yeah. It's also interesting because I think people think they um, are doing well with stories like that like putting that on the air but it's like okay you put that story out on the air and and then now what you know what i'm saying like okay so you did that and so you upset and traumatized a bunch of black people i guess you showed more light i get maybe but then like where's the action after that like i feel like white people are so obsessed with like we'll just put a black person in our um as an assistant and we did the work and then it's like, yeah, but no black people are making decisions in this company. So you're not really doing the work, you know, stuff like that, where it's like, you'll do, it's like, I bought from a black owned company once this entire year. And it's like, it feels very performative. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. I think people think they're doing well, but like, and what um, Jasmine said on our episode of can minorities racist, like, what is it going to take for it to change? And she said, it has to be a district, like, redistributing of power and it's like I think a good example of that is um Alexis O'Harnian I don't know if I'm saying his name right but Serena O'Hanian I think O'Hanian Serena um Serena's husband where he literally stepped down from CEO and like gave a black man that spot and I just think like how many people are willing to do that like like put that's like an action where it's like that's that's the change like you're willing to take away your power and like let someone else have it i think until we start seeing stuff like that then it's just it's very like the same thing but i think a a important point on that is like you also can't wait until like he already did what he needed to do in reddit he's not like even as involved as he used to be so like yeah you still have a major stake in the company but what were you doing before then, as you were climbing up the ranks, who were you bringing along with you? Like, it's great that you stepped down and had this one, this one person, this one black man come in, but like. Exactly, that's the first step. That's just the first step. And that was a huge step that most people aren't even willing to take, but that's one step. But like you said, that's just one thing where you should have been doing X, Y, and Z. And you know, and you know, his ass is probably only doing it because he's like, oh, my black, my, my black wife, I. Let me like think about all this stuff now. And I also a like a thousand percent. And that's also another frustrating thing when we talk, not like frustrating thing about like me personally, I'm just going to speak from my personal preference. 
I do not want to, if I, like, if I'm in an interracial relationship, I do not want to be my partner's, like, foray into all, like, black like, spaces. Social, and yeah, black, black spaces, issues. social issues, because, like, you should have already been doing the work before me. So, I, it's like, and it, I don't know. Like, I understand, like, it's a good step, but also, like, like you said, like, there's not, you're not going to have a lot of people who are going to be willing to let go of their power and their wealth for other people to gain. It's just like not going to happen. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be your reason to wake up. Like you should, you should already be awake, especially now, especially now. You really now. don't have excuse at this point. You don't have an excuse. You don't have an excuse. Like when I thought, I thought about this morning about like the, cause Janae, we were talking about yesterday and how you, you know, we were talking about, um, the number of like men versus women and like I don't know I kind of like sparked something in my mind where I was like so I have that going against me you know I'm a black woman so if I want a black partner you know statistically and if you don't debate us on the stat like stats we already talked about it in three episodes but statistically it's harder to find a, a counterpart in your race um based on a bunch of issues, systematic issues, other issues. Um, so, you know, I don't have that going for me. And then it's like, if I do have a partner outside of the race, it's like, one, is he going to be woke? And I feel like that's chances of that is kind of slim. And then two, if they even make it to that step, like, are there, is their family going to like make my life hell? And I'm just like, the chance of me getting through all those steps seems maybe like 1%. And it, it just sucks. Cause you're just like, I don't, really know where my and that's and that's if we can even get guys to ask you out like shit that's like a that's step one but it's like there was a scene from a movie that has fucked me up and I've been trying to unfuck myself but it's it's been really really tough for me um it was one of those sappy quippy dating movies from like the 2000 teens like one of those, he's just not that into you, but it wasn't, he's just not that. Into you. I can't remember. I can't remember. I need you to remember this movie because the likelihood I saw it is high. Ah, um, uh, I can't remember. I'll, I'll have to do some research later. But basically this girl, she's like, you know, that journalist, you know, they, they always have those. That was a weird sound. I'm sorry. Um, but basically she's talking about her chances of finding someone. And I think she was in New York city. She's in New York city or oh, LA. This is how to be single. Yes. How to be single. This. I actually like that movie where she does the smashes the yep. peanuts and like breaks. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So for those of you who haven't seen it, what she does is she has a whole bunch of peanuts on the table and she says, this is the population of men in X, Y, and Z city. Right. And then she cuts it in half and she's like, this is a population of men who are gay. This is a population of men who are straight. And she cuts that in half. And she says, this is the population of men who are college educated and have a full-time job. She cuts that in half. These are over, you know, six foot or has X, Y, and Z going for them. And then I'm like, like, I always think about that. Like, I can't unthink that. And then I add in the fact that I'm black. I add in the fact that I'm six foot tall and the fact that I'm plus size, which goes with this episode today. Um, I add in all of those factors and I'm just like, it's not looking great for me. And I hate thinking that because I want to be positive. I really, really want to be positive and not go into that thought spiral because it's not helpful. It's really not doing anything for me, but I can't, I can't unthink it. 
Oh, it's hard not to once you start spiraling. Yeah, yeah. Once you start realizing that, and like, imagine if if you were ugly. I mean, imagine if I was ugly, (laughs) bitch. Oh my God. At least I was blessed. At least I'm fucking pretty. Like what? If I was ugly too, (laughs) just kill me. Yeah. Just end it all there. (laughs) End it, end it, end it. Yeah. I I hate saying that, but it's like, you know, life, you get a lot by with looks. I hate to say it, but you do. Pretty privilege is real. And I will say it's real. I have had pretty privilege. I know I've had pretty privilege. The amount of attention I get, the amount I get catcalled, which none of those things are great, but still it's pretty privileged and I do feel blessed to have it. But anyway, we are <laughs> tangent o'clock. It's got so sidetracked. I know, tangent, <laughs> tangent. Let's... That was great though. I, I really like that. That was a great conversation. Um, okay, yes, yeah, so we'll go to Amari's segment, Black Professionals We Love. Take it away, Amari. Yes. Okay. So this week I want to highlight Janine Cook, Janine A. Cook, the owner and curator of Harriet's Bookshop in Philadelphia. As a daughter of a librarian and an avid reader, Cook started out selling novels uh, from her own bookstand while attending the University of the Arts in Philly. Since, uh, you know, the canon of great American literature is often like whitewashed and male dominated. She wanted to create a bookshop that celebrates women authors, artists, and activists. Uh, But the lease on her building for the bookshop is um, up in July. So she is looking for a permanent home and fundraising. So if you're interested in learning about what this black woman owned independent bookstore is about and you want to help check uh, out the link in our show notes. Y'all know how important we think it is to support black businesses, support black women entrepreneurs. So like do it. Do it. Put your money where your mouth is. Um, yes. And match my donation. I think I did 30. So some match. Y'all got $30. Y'all got some money. Go donate it. Um, okay, well, we're going into the discussion now. Okay, our discussion for today is about, um, you know, coping with your body changing in your 20s. So I'll give a little background. Yeah, I'm 26 now. Um, I just always thought like, oh, your body changes as a teenager with puberty. Um, you know, we have the acne, the body changes and stuff like that. And then I realized that, you know, my body was actually changing a lot more in the tw- in my 20s. And I was like, why is this? And then just dealing with some issues that um, I've never honestly had to deal with before. And I'll talk more into that later in the episode. But also realizing how I compare my body to like the current body that's in trend, which is, you know, the huge chest, the huge butt, the slim waist, stuff like that. And like constantly seeing that image, you know, wherever website I go or, you know, um, whatever like social media thing I choose, it seems to like always be there no matter how much I curate my feed. Um, so just discussing that and like how we, you know, have this relationship with our body and how it changes and how we can have a more positive relationship. So, yeah. Oh, also we did do a body image episode very early on. I think it's like episode four or five or something like that very early on. So we do talk about the body and relationship to, um, the black community and it's a very interesting episode but this is going to be more uh of a personal conversation i think um yeah do you guys have anything else for that intro i felt like i was just talking a lot (laughs) 
I mean, I I do think it's interesting when we talk about, um, you know, body image when it comes to the Black community. It's so interesting to me. I was trying to think of a different word besides interesting because I just said interesting. But anyway, so interesting to me how in the Black community, bigger bodies have always been favored compared to white and mainstream culture where, you know, in the early 2000s, 90s, it was like flat, like that's all anyone wanted. Um, but I feel like the Black community still, there are, there are holes. I see you're making a face, Amari. I, I was just gonna say, I think if like we're talking about like maybe like Black American community, I think it's very different in like Black Caribbean communities. Yeah. Be, well, we come from different backgrounds because my family is Southern. So everyone in my family is big. So, and this has been something so interesting just for me going about the world. I find that coming to New York City and one, everyone's like smaller in New York City. One, two, there's a lot of Caribbean people in New York City. So for me, there was this huge switch where, you know, back home where I'm from, my body is acceptable. My body's beautiful. And then coming here, it's like, I'm big. So that was always interesting. But back to Black bodies in the Black African-American community, I find that it's interesting how being curvy is now popular and mainstream and Black assets and Black body shapes are um, more acceptable now. Yeah. Uh, and for this conversation, I really want to like touch, maybe we'll probably get into more later down the line. I want to talk about like fat phobia and how a lot of people, one, just like, don't comment on other people's bodies. Like, don't comment on their weight. Don't comment on their shape. No one asked you. Don't say anything. But also this like veiling of, um, of like, oh, I just want you to work out for your health, where it's also veiled in this. Actually, they they say it, they. I feel like people um, position it in in a way where they want you to think it's about your health, but it's really about how you look. And that's something that I've been very frustrated with um, and very triggering for me, just like with family members, just with people, because it's like, it's not really about the health. You're just really worried that, that you think that person's going to be fat. Like that's like, let's just call a spade a spade. Um, I mean, I would argue that bigger bodies are a part of a marginalized community in this society, just like women are just like people of color are, I would say that bigger people are marginalized. I do think that it's slightly different, um, but I still will say that like fat phobia is huge. Our country's, the world's obsession with being thin is real. The fact that you can go into a store and literally the average size American is like a size 14 American woman is a size 14, yet you can go into stores and they completely exclude that size. That don't make no sense. Yeah. Backwards. Like I get it. We've painted a size 14 and above as being completely unhealthy and unattractive, but just based on numbers alone, why are we not going to sell this size when most people are that size? It's all capitalism, baby. They just want everyone to feel like shit about themselves. So they spend more money. You, so you, you get the diet pills, you get the surgeries, you get the nutritionists, you do all this shit. And does that actually help you? Does it actually make you happier? I don't no. know. Yeah. There's but, stats on that, that it actually doesn't. I think it's interesting because, um, I always like assumed, not assumed, but like saw like um, most black people around me, like being like curvier and like 
fuller and bigger. And I, I talk about this in the other episode, but like how I just wasn't getting there in high school. I was just very, very thin. Like I couldn't, I was just like, looked, I would always get comments like that, you know, like, oh, you need to eat more. Like you look unhealthy, but like, I wasn't unhealthy. I just like, couldn't really like pack on the weight, but I wasn't like, you know, I didn't have an eating disorder. I didn't, I wasn't starving myself. I was eating like every meal with like my family. I was eating three times a day. Like that was just how my body was. And it's, it's interesting when, you know, people just assume like, I don't have body issues or like no one comments on my body, but like so many people have that it's, it's, it's just like upsetting. But now that I started to like, my body's changing. I'm like, I feel like more, I guess like more connected to like the community in a way. Cause I'm like, Oh, I also have curves and I also am not like a size zero anymore. Um, which, which I'm kind of happy about because I'm like, I like, I like that embraceness of like, you know, womanhood and stuff. And I'm glad that black people tend to be the ones that do it. But then there's also like this thing where it's, um, unrealistic as well so like I feel like also you know we see people with like a huge chest and a huge butt and this thin waist which is just like not realistic but you see so many people like talk about like Dr. Miami and BBLs and that's kind of also as popular so it's like where's the line with that I also and I also think it's but I think it's dangerous sometimes the way like we correlate womanhood or like womanliness to the shape of our bodies and like I've really struggled with like you like you're saying like talking about like now that you're getting a little bit more curve you feel closer to the community and like but we're all shaped differently so like why should the shape of my body make me like I'm black it shouldn't so, but that's just how I felt as in like the oral no, experience no, no I know and I know I don't think there's anything wrong with that I'm just saying like I don't think that like as a like because like I'm black so like it doesn't matter what shape your body is so but like we make it feel so like if like you if you're not curvy if you don't have a butt if you don't have x y and z then like you're less than yeah. and it's kind of you're less black if you don't have a fat ass and like you should be at least a c right and and that just like makes absolutely no sense and and then i and then i think for me at least when i was younger i really struggled i'm like what the hell do you all want do you all want me to be thick do you want me to be skinny like i had so many different varying um messages coming at me and like I, I haven't necessarily spoken about it as openly on this podcast but I've been featured on other podcasts where I talked about like I struggled growing up with like binge eating and then like withholding food which is not you know a healthy relationship with you know eating so I think it's just kind of I think it's dangerous the way we um society kind of pushes these narratives around bodies uh, and it just breeds a lot of insecurity. And luckily I feel more confident now, but that's because I'm just like trying to block everyone out because people just fucking suck. I'm sorry. I, I wanted to talk about real quick. One of our questions is like our relationship with our body when we were younger. Um, and I want to say that I'm really proud of myself for like how far I've come because there was, and I've talked about it on this podcast before, but for a lot of my teenage years, especially in like my earlier teenage years, I really had a hard time looking at myself in the mirror, looking at my body in the mirror. I just didn't like what I saw at all. And now I'm happy. I'm happy. I like it. I look in the mirror and I'm like, mm, scrum diddly, mm, scrum, mm, ah. like I'd be lusting after myself. I think my biggest problem um, or my biggest insecurities come when I go outside and 
a random guy walks up to me and says, wow, your arms are so big. And I'm like, uh, like, I think those are, are where like my biggest insecurities come from comparing myself to other people. And then the me- messages I get outside of myself. Yeah. I feel like for me, I mean, I guess I kind of talked about how um, I was pretty like insecure, like in high school, just cause I was like so tiny and like, I don't know, people just made me really feel like shit for, for being so small. And like, even like when I was like playing sports, like the coach would be like, oh, you're just like too small to be in like, to, to, to for me to put you in the game. And that that's like so fucked up. Like now that I think about it, I'm just like, okay, that, that has nothing to really do with like the position, but you know, it's not like I was playing football all the fuck. Like I could have seen if I was like a linebacker, but like I wasn't doing that. I mean, even even if you were playing football, they specifically have positions for people who are more felt and fast and can get like, why would they say that? Yeah, That's so and dumb. I think people forget that like, when we say things to people, like sometimes they stick with us forever. Like they're that, you know, that's a comment that I remember like, you know, 10 years plus. Um, and I feel like I was always trying to like defy the odds with my body. So I would like play volleyball, but I would be like the libero. So the best passer. And it's like, okay, like, yeah, I'm small, but I'm clearly the best. Like I have this position or like I would play basketball and I would somehow get like the most blocks because I use my body to my advantage where I would like block the ball when someone brought it up, like I would block it down because like they wouldn't see that coming or like I would play, um, track and I would do throwing and I would really focus on the form. So like, I still have like, I'm still top five in my school for like the throwing record. And it's like, that's, that's not an easy thing to do. This this 10 years later. So it's like, I always been trying to like defy the odds where people like think I'm one way, but I'm going to do something different. And um, I think it's interesting because like now, um, I always was just like, oh, I want to be like at least 120 pounds. Like, I feel like that's a healthy weight. Like I'm, I'm going to work out. And I started to like see some changes when I really got into Pilates and I started like, you know, loving myself a little bit more. And it's all recently changed. I don't know if it's because of the pandemic and like the relationship with food is a little different where like, I feel like food has really been my saving grace through it. And that's like kind of like oftentimes the only thing I would look forward to in the pandemic because there's nothing to look forward to. So I would really look forward to like trying new like local restaurants and stuff like that. And um, I've just noticed that like my, I don't know if it's like working out and stuff, but I've noticed like my shoulders are a little more like broader where they look a little like, I guess people would say like more muscular, like more on like the manlier side um, where I've, I've never like had that issue so like now I'm like oh maybe I can't wear as many things that expose like my shoulders and stuff like that and then um like I'm noticing like there's a little I guess there's like um I don't know what it's called like some like type of texture on my stomach of like I know that's like what pregnant people get but I obviously I have not had a kid so I I don't know what that is (laughs) um and I noticed that like my waist is not like as thin and like I can't really fit like the sizes that I've been fitting before. Um, so just like those constant changes where I'm just like, I have to pay more attention to like how like my stomach looks. And like, I even tried on a bathing suit today and like I could fit the bottom, but I couldn't fit the top. And I'm like, is this just because like the models that, that, that they have or like what people's like new bodies are, but like it made me feel a little like iffy about it. And like, I had like a little bit of like, um, 
just like just not I don't know I guess it's just not my figure that I'm used to and it's like really like trying to not feel shitty about it but it's it's been like pretty hard for like the last couple months there was something that you said that was so interesting to me with sports and how because you were little and people were like or smaller people would often not expect things from you And I had the complete opposite where because I was so big, people would expect so much more from me. And instead of excelling, my knee jerk reaction was to quit or to not be in it because I always felt like my size and my largeness directly impacted my femininity and took away from my femininity. So I spent so much of my life feeling like Shrek, like I, when I would think about myself, I would literally think about Shrek Aww. and just feel so like if I'm too strong, if I'm too angry or competitive or if I'm too good at this, I'm just going to be the big black girl. And that's all the big beast, the big monster. And that's all anyone will think of me as. So I like always shrunk away from those things. I was like, nope, nope, nope. You won't catch me being too good at any damn sport. You won't catch me. Um, and also to to your body changes, Kia, I know that that has to be hard. I mean, I, I go through it too. I was wearing waist beads for 0.3 seconds. And then I stopped because every single time I would get full, I would obviously get bloated. And then the waist beads, you would be reminded that you're bloated every time because it would get tighter on your stomach. And it really kind of created this triggering, I don't know if, like it was just really triggering for me where being aware of my fullness was like bad. It would make me not want to eat. Um, it would make me uncomfortable in my body. So I had I had to cut off the damn waist piece because I was like, <laughs> I'm too old to be feeling this uncomfortable in my own body. Um, so yeah, wow, this is deep. Yeah. Something you were saying about um, the, the sports too, is I've gotten in the habit of turning, like when I watch sports, I turn off the commentary. I'll put it on mute specifically if there's like, if it's tennis and there's a black woman playing or like if it's, you know, lacrosse and there's like a, a, a black player and they say something in relation to the body or just something off, um, I'll turn it off because it's like, I'm like so hyper aware of how people describe black women's bodies. Um, and like, you like something like you said, like the beast, like I feel like even the language people will use is like aggressive or just like, um, like I think I was watching some sporting event and someone like described her as like being a bully or just like, you know, or they'll like talk about people's like, oh, like or tennis, like her thighs or like should help her do X, Y, and Z or something. And it's just like the way people dissect other people's bodies just makes me so uncomfortable and it's so triggering. Um, and, and I think it's interesting how that can like seep into like sports or different areas um, of life and, uh, how that like like your experience playing sports like I, like stays with you um, or like how that made you made you feel um, and I think it's interesting because not to use the word <laughs> interesting but um, I think sports were kind of what helped me become more comfortable with my body um, just because 
playing lacrosse, it was kind of like, I felt as though there was an appreciation for all different types of bodies and we just learned to use them to our advantage. Uh, or I remember one time in high school, I was really offended because my friend told me I had twerking thighs and like, that was her way of saying like, your thighs are really thick. And I was just, I was like, I was, I was so upset. I thought about that for, for weeks. And then I like would go on the lacrosse field and, you know, my coach would be like, you know, this is going to help you get in like a solid defensive position. And like, you can hone like the lower, like the power of your lower body and doing X, Y, and Z. Uh, so, so that, that, that really helped me, but I think in being an adult and not playing a sport anymore, it's gotten weird, not weird, but I'm not as active. I'm not doing as much. And so the changes come on more quickly. Um, and then also when you add on, because I tore my ACL when I was playing lacrosse. So like my knees and like my, like I don't, I can't physically do the same type of activity. So it makes it harder. Um, and that's something like I've definitely had to, to work through. Um, and I think also like during, during the pandemic too, because uh, when I'm stressed, I don't eat. So it's kind of having to be like more in tune uh, with my eating habits and, um, and just like being more aware of that. Cause I do know I have like a history of not being uh, good when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. Are there any changes that you've noticed from like high school to now? Yeah. I mean like my stomach, I've always had a, not an odd shaped stomach, but it's funny. I'll look at baby pictures and like the shape of my stomach is very much the shape of it is now I have a short torso. So like if I gain weight, it's just like all concentrated in one area, I think. Um, so I think like, the the change for me at least is that I've like in college I had fucking sorry I had abs so like it's like I'm never gonna get to that place again um I think that's probably just been the biggest change or like just seeing like the the loss of of muscle mass for me it's like oh this used to be muscle now it's just kind of just existing there like there's no strength like I can't lift can't do anything. <laughs> That's so interesting. Um, I'm, I'm so annoyed because I feel like I would have liked a heads up in like school where it's like, hey, your body's going to change like mid 20s. But the fact that it's kind of like, I was just like, I guess I'll have this body forever. And then it just kind of like hit me where it's like, oh shit, it's changing. And I don't know what to do. No one told you that your body changes in your twenties. No, my mom was always talking to me about that. Uh, she was no. always talking to I me. I heard like maybe thirties, like maybe when you have a baby, but not like fucking twenty five. No, no one said that. <laughs> I personally think that I was kind of exposed to it early because everyone is in my family is larger, right? So when I was like a tween my mother started uh, doing Zumba and went on Weight Watchers and she lost like 60 pounds and she went from being like a larger woman to itty bitty. Um, and she was constantly making us like aware of her journey and working out and asking us if we wanted to work out because we were all big. So I think personally, I've always kind of been aware of the ebb and flow of your body. And cause I've always been bigger. I've always had kind of a fraught relationship with my body. I don't know what it is to not have a stomach. I don't know what it is for my thighs to not rub together. I don't know what it is to have abs. It's never been my story and it never will. <laughs> but I will say that I think that has kind of made me strong and that's made me like, 
okay. Like it is what it is. Um, and also I am tall and I don't think that I am the curviest larger woman, but I'm still curvy. And I completely will acknowledge I have privilege when it comes to being a larger woman because I am a size 14. I am tall. All of these things make finding clothes, which are already hard for me, still easier than they do for other bigger women. Um, But a big change that I've seen in my body in my 20s, I was on birth control for like two years or something like that. A year? I can't remember. Whatever. Um, But I do think my body has gotten curvier. And I'm not sure if it's birth control or I'm not sure if it's like I'm in my 20s and my body is like, impregnate me, somebody. It does I'm, like, I'm not sure. The, the, the belly gets prepared. Like the, the yes, they say like yes. the lower, po- yeah, the they like widen in the pouch. Like there's a, like a area of the stomach that gets ready. I'm just going to tell myself that that's my stomach. <laughs> but now, now it's just annoying. It's like, well, I know. No one's going to impregnate me. Yeah. <laughs> I like it though. I really like it. Like my boobs have gotten kind of like fuller and bigger. My waist is like cute. Like, I don't know. I, I fuck with it heavy. I'm like, that's good though. Mm, mm, mm. But also that goes to like the, like, I think I want, I think Janae's, I think your body is phenomenal, but it goes to like, you are sh- like, not to be like, you are shaped in all the right places. But like, I think when you look, when people talk about like bigger bodies or, or in or like they're talking about like you have to be like perfect up here and like on the butt good and then like the slim like waist or whatever like curvy in all the right places and I think you've been blessed with the curves in the right place. I am now that big bodies are in. I am very privileged. I'll say it. I'm privileged. I'll say. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about um, just some changes from my research. And then I actually want to talk about the current body standards. So from Casa, I was looking at the changes in your bodies in your 20s. And um, one was that your weight will probably go up a little bit every year. And that's normal. Weight normally continues to increase annually in your 20s, mostly due to increase in body fat compared to your teen years. Um, but still, it's important to keep in mind that a normal weight is... Um, to have a BMI between 18.5 and 24.9, according to Although this doctor. Although BMI is bullshit, people. It is bullshit. So, well, the next one is that you might get a little curvier. Um, regardless of diet and exercise, most women are pretty slim in their teens and 20s. But as you get older, you might carry weight in places you never did previously. You might notice an increase in fat distribution in your hips, thighs, and bust region. This is due to um, metabolic changes weight gain and hormonal changes uh which is annoying and that shit's just gonna get worse because the hormonal changes like we have to go through menopause too and that's gonna be a whirlwind this is proof that god hates women um (laughs) and black ones okay sorry (laughs) um other things (laughs) that we might change is acne which shocked me and i was like god damn we can't even get away from that I feel that. Yeah. Getting more yes, acne. Getting more acne. And I was like, that makes sense. Because for 24 and 25, I, you know, didn't really put so much on my face. But then I just started breaking out all the time. And I, that's how I really got into skincare. Because I started researching all this stuff. Because my face was changing. I didn't know how to, like, react with it. And then I, I read, your ac- there's acne in your 20s. 
I will say I'm getting dry skin now. Once again, another area I'm very blessed in, never had skin problems. Thank you, Paris and Darren. But my skin does get dry now. Yeah. I never had to wash or moisturize before. And now I do. Yeah, you definitely do now. I I wasn't even thinking about these other changes too, but we were talking about this earlier. Like you're more prone to like infections like UTIs. Yes. Something I never never really struggled with as a kid but as a grown a woman I'm like what the heck is happening yeah that's also one of them the acne uh infections like UTIs and STDs really um more intense cramps uh and then a slimmer face but also more bone health and then of course cellulite because why not just tack that on with everything else what is cellulite? Is that fat that's just hard to move? I just think about it as like the dimples in my in my thighs. That's yeah. how I look at it. Oh, they're the mm-hmm. dimps. It's oh, kind of the like dimps. the okay. like stress marks, like where the stress marks would be, I think. Like that area. No, because you can... I, where I is think, cellulite? Cellulite, I think, tends to be like over, like on your thighs, your butt area. Um, that's where I tend to see like my own cellulite concentrated. I have stress marks all over my body. I got stress marks on my boobs. I did too. And before I was like gross about it, but I'm like, nope, I have, oh, I see the cellulite dimples. Ah, okay. Yeah. Oh God, life sucks. Um, Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) so I wanted to talk about the current body change, body standard, and we kind of touched on it. I just feel like I think about when I go on fashionova.com and it's this girl with a huge ass chest and a huge ass and a tiny waist where I'm like, if these clothes fit you like this, they're not going to fit me. So I don't know. And I feel like that's the body that everyone like is like praising now. But half of it's not even real either. I know. But that, that, I I feel like people don't care. They're just like, that's what it is. Like, like that's really how we've seen it. Like people don't care if it's not real or fake. They're just like, get the BBL. And like now, you know, you'll get more attention. Which is really sad because I don't think people need should have to feel like they have to get surgery to be like, you know, appreciated. But I do feel like that's a lot of reasons why people get surgery. Yeah. I'm sick of big asses being a trend. Me too. I'm really sick of that. Like because none like, of us it, have it, any. So, <laughs> yes. I feel like that's I have exactly a nice why. I feel like I have a nice ass for my body though. Yeah, like I, I feel like body. I'm proportion, mm-hmm. but yeah. I don't got no donkey booty. I'm not gonna and have I'm, like a huge, but I look at my butt and I'm like, oh, this this butt is really toned. It's really nice. It's pretty big for my like body type. So I'm like, I'm happy with that. I'm not gonna look like crazy with these huge like injections in my butt. That would just look like crazy on me. Yeah, but I and I constantly find myself worrying if my ass is enough. Like if men look at my derriere and think like she ain't got no ass because they're really? comparing me to like a Nicki Minaj or some Instagram model. Like I constantly worry about And it about doesn't that. help that That's a so common stereotype for black women is to have bigger asses. And it's like, no, <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely feel that today. I'm always like, hopefully they're a boob person because that's all I got for you. <laughs> You know, what happened to the titty guy? Because I've got them in loads. Right. That's you know? so interesting. I feel like my butt is actually something I'm really confident about. Really? Yeah. You just see that I got right, it's just glowing bad. right now. Because like. I love my butt. I worked really hard on it. I really worked hard with Pilates to shape butt exercises for like years. So I'm very proud you, of it. But it's not, okay, it's you not You sound huge. like the... I watched Legally Blonde the other week. You sound like that girl that goes to jail. She's like, I've prepared 
I've helped women perfect their butts because she's like an exercise guru. <laughs> Listen, I worked really hard on it for years and I'm happy with it. I'm happy with the changes. And so if someone said like, Kia, you don't have a fat ass, I would just think that's crazy to me because I would not have one. Um, and two, I have a nice one for my body. Just like I think I have a nice chest for my body size. No, it's not a fucking size D. But it's nice. You have a nice chest for you. You Thank have you. a nice chest. Thank You've got you. some good handfuls. Thank you. I think people are shocked handfuls. when I like pull it out when I go out because they're like, <laughs> but what? I, I thought she was good. But, and like, but I think the thing is like you say like, it's a good size for me. And I think people, instead yes. of being taught how to rock what you got, were like taught you need to look X like this way and you need to do everything you can, you can to look like that. But it's like, why don't we just teach people to like accentuate the like the assets of like the features that they like or you know just you know I don't have a waist but I've learned how to like you know make the illusion of a waist if I want one but I'm also like becoming more comfortable with like not having a waist or like I used to think my boobs are so saggy but they're actually not that bad um and like they don't look that bad when I wear no bra and I go out so like <laughs> you yeah. know I used to be so insecure about my boobs and like my boob shape, but I love my boobs. My boobs are like my favorite part of my body. Really, they are. Um, I actually, I had an argument a few years ago with my close friend, Alexis, who was on the podcast and my ex, because they were saying that I have large boobs. And I was like, no, I don't. Y'all bugging. My boobs are proportioned to my body. And it was like an argument. This was like, a while because I because Alexis she has a larger chest and she was saying something like you know us big boob girls and I'm like whoa 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 I'm not a big boob girl I just have boobs <laughs> um and then I finally got professionally measured well first um I went to Victoria's Secret and they I don't care about sharing They're my boob worst. size so I'm gonna share it they're the worst but I went to Victoria's Secret and they told me that I was a triple D and I was like, <laughs> y'all tried it. Y'all bug in. You guys are stupid. <laughs> so then I went to like this small bra boutique, custom bras. Uh, uh, uh. I am a triple D, which in some circles is an E, I think. An E or an H, one of them. Um, so yeah. The moral of the story is I love my boobs and they're big. That's the moral. I need to get measured again because Victoria's Secret, they're like, you're a 34B. I mean, they gave me a bra. That shit barely be fin. I'm Kia, like, you're a C. Kia, you are a C. Kia, you are a C. Oh my God. You're a C. Squeal. I know you're a C. But there's so many I'm different factors it. that go into like your cup size and your, or like your bra size in general. It's like, you can be, you can be a big, you can be a big size and technically not like have, big boobs wait where else can you get measured because i bought some bras and i was like okay victoria's secret said 34b that shit ain't fit and then when i bought that bathing suit i got a small the bottom fit the top didn't fit so i'm like wait i think my chest is a little bit larger than the average like small person i don't know because i'm not be fitting stuff I would go to boutiques like I would okay. try to Google like a small custom bra fitting boutique that have like tons of smaller companies and then have them measure you. I got to like, find one. Get the older white woman with the tape who is going to touch your titties. Get her. I'll be so hyped if I'm a C. I think you're a C, Kia. Ooh! 
I, I saw you like two weeks ago. You had them titties out. You're wearing a little V. I was like, oh, cute. Okay. That's so because I I'm not I'm not fitting any of my bras. No joke. I'm not. I'm not. I don't fit any of them. We're off topic again. <laughs> we're still talking about bodies. I'm sorry. What were you saying? Yeah. Was I saying something? Oh, I thought you were. But um. So. Anyway, I just wanted to talk about body standards. Um, Janae, I know you said you wanted to talk about your res- relationship to your body and dating apps. Dating apps have been really hard for me because I feel like they highlight all of the negative things and kind of reinforce all of the negative things that I feel about my body. And I don't know if this happens for you guys whenever you're on the apps, um, but it's just, it, it sucks. Like a big thing that I have is about my height. And it's been something that I've been trying to overcome for so long now, but it's still, it's still a thing for me. Um so I always like I, I went on a date. Um, this was last summer and it was the worst date that I've ever been on. But in the beginning of the date, the guy was basically like, oh, I didn't realize you were so tall. Like I could see you before I even got to the restaurant while I was walking up to the restaurant. And it just kind of like reinforced that worry I always have when I'm on these dating apps and I'm like, did he look at my height? Did he pay attention to that? Does he know that I'm tall? Is he going to be okay with that? And I know that's so dumb. It's so dumb. It doesn't matter, but it's, it's just like a big thing that I have. And I always kind of feel like I get pushed aside for women that are smaller than me and that men don't want to be with a girl who's large because it's not feminine. So it's a thing that I have and it's a thing that I struggle with. I'm not over it, but I guess I can acknowledge that it's a thing that I have. Makes sense though. I mean, I can't imagine being like six foot tall. Um, like, you know, everyone, every girl's like, I want a taller guy. But like, when you are tall, that that has got to be hard. But there are some men who are like, I want nice, strong, healthy babies. And they look at you and they're like, Janae can give me a healthy child. But then that's fetishizing as fuck. I'm just a person. That's, that's healthy. It. I'm talking about health when they want like healthy, you know, children. That's like the you got to find a Nordic guy. They're into that shit. I know they're they probably are. white, but that's what my my celebrity crush on Earth Holmes. He says that and um, Amari, you are brimming. Amari, you oh, are. I still love him though. But I'm like maybe I'm not his. No, I'm not his type because I'm not you know tall. I don't I don't know what you'd be saying right now, but Jeanette, <laughs> back to you <laughs> on dating apps. I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be tall, but I do know what it's like to feel like shit about myself when I start dating apps or when I start talking to men. I don't know what it is, but there is just something about dealing. I think it's also because you're, you're putting yourself in this position to be judged by another person and dating apps. is like, you're not interacting in person. They're just dealing with you online and just have images of you. So I think it's really easy to feel vulnerable and like insecure during these spaces. And I've just, you know, I always feel, I feel like I feel more confident when I'm not dealing with men. Um, and maybe that has something to say about them. Maybe that says something about me, but, um, I definitely, I can relate to um, the dating landscape, just like kind of like reinforcing things that you might be insecure about like yourself. I also feel the most insecure when I'm playing with men. So it's not just you. I, you know what? I was just about to say the same thing. When I get dressed and go outside and I get compliments from women 
I get attention from women. I'm like, it's a beautiful morning. But it seems like as soon as a man gets involved, I'm like, oh my God, I feel terrible about myself. They don't know what I'm to not. say. Like women will be like, you look great in that up. top. That top looks great on you, all this stuff. And men will be like, I mean, you got a little bigger. So, like some shit where it's like, what, bro, what are you saying? Like, it's just some wild stuff. Like, I don't know. I just feel like they don't know how to compliment. And it's just like, I'd rather you just shut up if you just don't know how to. I was mentally boxing this guy. I don't know if y'all ever do this. Maybe it's just a Janae thing, but sometimes I'll recap things and I'll just be like, uh, 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 in my head with like my words. But anyway, it's, I oh no, that. I do that all the time. I, like recreate, I recreate situations and I'd be talking to myself, like having these conversations over yes, again. So, so. <laughs> you'd be walking around like, hoo, 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 in your head. I woke up mad because I was thinking about how I was going to break up <laughs> things with these guys and be like, you said this to me. I'm just waiting for you to come through. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about this guy um, that I went on a few dates with last summer. And I know I sent this to y'all, but he said something along the lines of, because we were just like having a playful conversation. Then he said something along the lines of, you know, like, oh, you could probably like beat me down with those hands or he said on site. I remember this like on site. He said something like that. And I was just one. It highlighted all of the insecurities I've had since puberty being a larger woman and having these large hog handling hands bro it reinforced all of those insecurities about myself and then it's like why the fuck would you say that why would you say that why do you feel the need to point out the fact that I have big hands is it because you have little hands and you can't (laughs) hold a damn whopper is that why not the whopper just It just, it just, oh my God, I was boxing his ass in my head today. Like, you're, I think it's maybe, maybe my mind, maybe my mind is not in the right place, but I feel like there are so many other, he could have looked at your hands and thought of so many other useful things. Because the thing thing was tiny. (laughs) You could have thought about all of the sexual things that could be done with hands. His thing is probably not filling the hand though. It's probably not filling the hand. And this is not something that I thought about. Wow. Let's go into social responses. Okay, so I did a poll and the poll said, do you regularly weigh yourself? Why or why not? Wow, I put why or why. I mean, she's an intellect. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So yes, I do. Got 35%. No, I don't. Uh, Got 65%. So it seems like most people don't weigh themselves. Someone said no, mostly because I don't have a scale, but I struggle with an eating disorder. So it might be better for me. Someone else said, I weigh myself on average once or twice a month. I do this to know what's going on with my body, by my eating habits, et cetera, to know what kind of impact, if any, certain workouts have on me. So I was happy to see that um, most of us have like a healthier relationship with the scale because um, I do not have a scale and I weighed myself for the first time in over a year at the doctor's and I felt like shit. So uh, that kind of sucked. I feel like weighing yourself for the first time in a long time is that um, crusty crab meme. What's what's the crab from? Uh, 
Mr. Krabs? Uh, Mr. Krabs? Mr. Krabs? <laughs> What's the Krabs in SpongeBob? <laughs> it's that meme where like he's there and everything is like moving oh, yeah. around him. Do you know what I'm talking about? That happens to me every that goddamn to time. Me. It fucks me up. <laughs> I get so mad at the doctors though. I'm like, can I take off my coat and my like 10 pound boots first before you make me get on the scale? Yeah. I'm like, why can't I be naked? Annoying. It's uh why can't it be the morning? <laughs> yeah. Well, mine was I'm, the morning and it, I felt like shit. So I didn't go to the bathroom now. So maybe that has to be <laughs> You know, that's I, true. I refuse to weigh myself unless it's a life or death situation. You won't catch me spiraling today. No, you ain't gonna catch not me. today. I, I don't believe in scales. The doctors ask me how much you weigh. I'm like, oh, I know. I weighed myself yesterday. <laughs> so I will have to step out of the damn scale. I am not going to weigh myself. Hell no. I was waiting for them to say, Kia, you getting a little up there. But they did not. So I was happy. It was like a 10, yeah. 10 11 pound difference in the last time. So I was like, oh, no. So I also asked, how do you feel about your body in high school versus now? Someone said definitely was more confident about it in high school than now much hasn't changed except my mental body dysmorphia self-esteem issues and trauma your body doesn't have to change for you to love it anymore um and i feel like that might have been about it that i asked so amari what did we get on uh the ig y'all Y'all had so much to say. I don't think we've ever had this many responses to anything that we posted on IG before. So I asked, um, do you regularly, regular, I can't talk, regularly weigh yourself? 26% said yes, and 74% said no. A total of 296 people answered this poll. Um, and I asked, why or why not? Someone said, sometimes I feel underweight or feel very fat, so I keep track. Another person said, no reason to. Uh, someone said, I'm learning to eat for health, not in appearance. Um, someone said, LOL, yuck. I don't let my doctor either. They're on Janae's level. Um, someone said, it's depressing. Another person said, I don't have a scale. Another person said, my body does so much for me and food is also a language within itself. So why starve? Amen. Uh, someone said, I don't own a scale for two reasons. One, I've been overweight a lot of my life. And even as I pursue health, I don't want to value. My, I don't want my value to be tied to my weight. And three, both of my roommates have suffered from eating disorders in the past. Um, so, you know, I can't go through all of these. I will post. I'll try to post as many as possible on social so you can all see each other's responses. Um, and then we asked another question. And it was, how has the relationship to your body changed over the years? Someone said, I've accepted being skinny. So many people would make comments, but I love it. <laughs> um, someone said, um, yes, but still working on a positive relationship. It's an ongoing process. Another person said, I listen to it more. Someone else said, after a while, finally got thick and I won't let the comments get to me. This is exactly what I wanted. Someone said it has gone from straight up awful to somewhat better. I'm more aware of how I talk about my body. I'll read two more. Someone said, I've learned that my body has its own rules for happiness and I love it because it keeps me alive. Uh, someone else said, I used to fight to be skinny because I was brainwashed by Eurocentric ideas of beauty. Amen. I wonder what the beauty standard would be if we didn't do like Eurocentric. That's a good question. 
like that now that kind of that kind of hit me because i'm like you know maybe we wouldn't be the the tiny waist thing wouldn't be in i don't know do you remember when well not remember it just happened um chloe kardashian basically tried to like get that photo of her and edited wait what happened you didn't see this okay chloe kardashian there's a photo of her like unedited and she looks like a normal person but it's unedited so she like basically like tried like almost suing people to get the photo down because it was like circulating on Twitter and she basically was like yeah I've just had body image image issues it's hard to keep up with the beauty standard but people were like you literally made this beauty standard with your sisters you made this beauty standard like you're the creator of it yeah but I guess that does like humanize her a little bit for me I don't think so she's just gonna keep getting surgery that's all they do Let's keep getting surgery and then we'll keep comparing ourselves to them and people will keep like feeding money into the Kardashians. It's this whole cycle. But I just think it's ironic because it's like you have the power to not do this, like not keep up the beauty standard. And instead of doing that, you chose to sue people that uh, circulated this photo. So I don't know. And then, yeah, I read that her grandma just posted it because she thought her granddaughter looked cute. That could be wrong, allegedly. Um, So I'm just like, damn, you made your grandma feel bad. (laughs) Like all she wanted to do was post a photo of you. I heard that too, that the grandma just like posted it because yeah. she's a grandma. And then Chloe went on like a rampage trying to get it taken down. And I'm like, damn, that's... You gotta be crazy insecure. Crazy insecure. Yeah, now it's time for the shits with Janae. So someone wrote in and they said, any advice for going back to school and changing careers in mid to late 30s and beyond? Um, So personally, I've never done this, but I can say that my mother is currently about to graduate uh, with, I believe, her master's degree um, this month. And my father is also taking courses now. Um, so I can't necessarily give you advice on this, but I can say that that takes a lot of guts and a lot of courage and shout out to you. And whether you decide to continue with your degree after taking a few classes, or it's really hard for you to keep up, I still want to say shout out to you for doing it. Um, and that obviously if you felt the need to take classes, you're making the right decision if you felt the push to take extra time to learn something new with, I'm guessing, your already hectic schedule and hectic life. So shout out to you. Do the thing if you have the time, money, and energy to do it. You can never stop learning in this life. So never too late to learn. 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 Agreed. Yeah, I also don't know what it's like to be in my mid to late 30s, but um, I know even like, in my 20s, I was like, I don't know if I should go back to school or not. And that was mostly, I think I was just a little scared of like my trajectory and my career, which shockingly, my career has sucked anyway. So it actually didn't matter if I went to school or not. And I also was like, I don't know if I want to spend the money on education, but if you have the funds, I mean, I totally would have been in business school if I had the money too, without a question. Um, so it really is a money thing, but I, I love learning and I love education and um, I would love to like pursue more education if I had the funds, but if you have the funds and you, and you are able to do it, I'm all for everyone getting like more education. Yeah. And as someone who did go back to school, uh, after only being two years out, the transition back was hard for me. So again, like Janae said, kudos to you. Um, it's there, I think anything you do, um, it's going to be like a learning curve when you go back, but, um, I, 
I think it's, I think it's great. Um, and I think all you can do is like give yourself grace in those, in those situations, especially if you have, uh, classmates that are significantly younger than you. Um, I think it's just like, you know, focusing on yourself and what you're doing. Cause Kia, you're talking about like funding. And if you're going to go back to school, like you're definitely be in business school, but as we know, like business school is not cheap. Um, but if you can like find, you know, uh, scholarships and like ways to supplement going back to school, it really does help. And that way you can at least focus more on, um, your work than having to worry about like holding down several, like several jobs and, and trying to figure out where the funding is coming from. Yeah. Good advice, Amari. Almost graduation day for you. Or is it? Your Saturday. Oh, look at that. Congratulations. Wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah, that's super exciting. Congrats on you for, for doing that and this podcast for two years. Look at that. Look at there. <laughs> look at there. Um, does anyone have anything else they would like to address on this beautiful curated episode of So-Called Oreos? Okay, well, you know, happy 50th episode. Happy two-year anniversary. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys so much for listening um, to this week's episode. You can talk to us on all social media at so-called Oreos, and you can email us at so-called Oreos at gmail.com if you have any questions or feedback. Um, and you can listen to us anywhere you get podcasts. And we would super duper love it if you could just give us a rating, give us a follow, you know, tell a friend. We do this podcast for free. It's a lot of time, work and energy. So you know just it's free to support. Um, but yeah, <laughs> until next time. Bye. Bye. Wow. Bye. I hit the mute. I hit the mute. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <Not late. laughs> uh. <laughs>